I'm Sam Dingman. And I'm Mac Montandon. And on our new podcast, The Rumor, we're trying to figure out if the Orioles faked a power outage in 1997. The answer involves Baseball Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr., Hollywood Hall of Famer Kevin Costner, and a renegade cop who goes by Mad Dog. We're going to try to unravel this mystery before this mystery unravels us. Listen to The Rumor on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sponsored by WinBet. I want to be the best. I want to be the best. And that's why I play the game. To be the best, you have to win. And that's what drives me. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Clutch Talk podcast slash YouTube slash We Do It All. As always, I'm your host, John. Very happy to be here. My boy, Jay, he's over there in the six. How you doing, baby? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I'm excited, man. I'm excited to talk about the Sixers, one of the most talked about teams in the NBA right now. And for a very important reason and a very big question, we brought on a great guest as well. So I'm excited, man. Chris. Tell the people what's up. Introduce yourself to the fans if you'd like. Yeah, I'm Christopher Klein. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm the editor over at thesixersense.com, and I'm excited to talk Sixers. Yes, sir, man. Well, we are very, very excited to have you on, Christopher. Um, we we knew, we knew, you know, me, me, me and Jay Hill, we kept going back and forth like, man, who are we going to get for this Sixer episode? We knew as soon as we, as soon as we were able to land you, we knew this is the one and we're very excited, man. So we are definitely happy to uh, have you and for all the fans, make sure you guys go check out all uh, Christopher's work, man, at the six, at the six or cents. Uh, I'm going to leave everything in the, in the description down below, man. So you guys make sure to go check that out. But if all that's out the way, you guys ready to get into the Sixers talk? Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's do it, man. Let's do it. So the first question that we like to start off here, Chris, is uh, as a Sixers fan, are you content with the way the year went? Um, well, I, I'd say the easy answer is no. Um, Obviously, I, I think, the, you know, at the end of the regular season, most people would say they were pretty satisfied. You know, the one seed was probably not where most fans expected them to be. I think there was some good energy around the Doc Rivers decision. Joel had the best year of his career. Um, but, you know, a second round exit in the playoffs when you have home court advantage against the Hawks, which is frankly just not a team they should have lost to obviously kind of sucked the air out of the room and uh, now with where we've gotten to this summer I would say most most fans are pretty concerned and not thrilled but uh, there are definite positives I mean being the number one seed is you know nothing to to uh, nothing this you know that's a pretty big accomplishment but I, I don't think they got where they wanted to go. Yeah, man, like, like how you said, you know, they had a, a great season. You know, Joel Embiid had one of the, one of his best, uh, best, best seasons in, in his career yet. Uh, but like how you said, they did, they did fall to the Hawks, man. And I, I have to, I have to bring it up only because, you know, during uh, the playoff, playoff predictions and when we were going through Sixers versus Hawks, um, I, me and me and uh, uh, our guest, uh, our guest on that we had at the time, we had we had the uh, the 76ers winning. We're like, man, no way the 76ers lose to the Hawks. Uh, ben Simmons is going to be able to uh, is going to be able to press up uh, on the smaller Trey Young. It's over. But man, my my boy Jay Hill over here, he <laughs> called it. My boy Jay Hill said, "No, I'm telling you, I'm asleep. The Hawks are going to win. The Hawks are going to win." So I got to give Jay Hill some credit. Jay Hill, you got anything to say about that? <laughs> No, I mean, from from the beginning, I knew the Hawks 
uh, had, you know, the, the tools to beat the Sixers. And it wasn't so much even on the Hawks. It was my, I didn't believe in Ben Simmons. and I didn't believe in the Sixers that they could get it done. We always know, like you mentioned, Chris, Embiid had a historic season, like in, in, in terms of the league and history, but for obviously, you know, the best season of the, of the of his career, like you mentioned. But no, I felt like their second option, Ben Simmons, and I remember talking about this clearly, was I just had my doubts about him, you know, taking over when Simmons, who was injured at the time, and we didn't know uh, if he was going to play in that series or not. And my it was a huge concern. Can Ben step up? And I said no at the time, and then it turned out that he didn't step up and he was scared to shoot. And, I mean, that's been the knockout in his whole career. Obviously, defensively, he's going to be in your best player, but offensively, you can't rely on to him. I hope he turns it around, but that was my prediction. And, man, I was – boy, I was right. I, boy, I was right. I'll take that, too. Man, that, that, that one was funny, man. But, Jay Hill, you know, you, you, you kicked it off. You started talking about talking about, about Ben Simmons, so that's exactly where we're going to start things off here, Chris, is – Let's talk about Ben Simmons. Can you, as a Sixers fan, as a Sixers insider, can you uh, make some sense of this Ben Simmons situation? Talk to us about what would you do? You know, if Daryl Morey called your phone and said, man, Chris, I don't know what to do with the situation. You take the lead. What do I do? Um, well, I think so far Daryl and the front office have handled it about as well as they could have. Um, you know, I think the best route at this point is to be patient and to wait for the right trade to see how the regular season plays out for a few different teams, you know, see where Damian Lillard is at at the trade deadline, if it lasts that long, see if a team gets desperate after a slow start, something like that. I don't think there's any rush to trade him. He does have four years left on his contract. He has said that he's willing to sit out the entire season, but I'm sure Philly is more than willing to call his bluff if need be, because he's going to lose a lot of money if it drags on much longer than like November. So I think Philly is in a position where they can be patient. I think they would obviously like him to come back and play. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But for now, just roll with the players that you have. I think they'll win enough games to be in the playoff picture without Ben and try to make a right, the right trade You know, in January, February, if it takes that long, and go from there. Okay, yeah. No, you bring up a good point there, Chris. But, but my question to you is, and you kind of touched on it, is Philly a playoff team and are they a high enough seed? Are they going to be able to compete in the East who a lot of teams made great additions this year? You know, I think of like five or six teams who can potentially be in the top four. Will they be able to stay afloat uh, in the playoff picture without Ben Simmons? And, and is that something a concern? Is that a concern to you? Cause it definitely is a concern to me looking at their roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a question I need to address. So how, how are you feeling about that? Yeah. I mean, obviously it depends entirely on Joel. If he's on the floor and he's healthy, I, I think they're pretty easily a playoff team. Um, I, I mean, frankly, I think they're probably in the top four or five, at least as far as who I would pick in the East, just because they have Joel who's one of the five or 10 best players on the planet. If he gets hurt though, which has happened in the past, then they don't really have the tools like they did last season to pick up any of the slack. I think Ben certainly does help in that respect. And obviously Ben is a fantastic player. I don't think anyone's going to deny that. And losing him is going to hurt on the defensive end. And I think it will hurt on the offensive end, even though there's been a lot of conversation about the fit on that side of the ball. They're losing a pretty important playmaking option (laughs) um, in their main point guard. 
so I, I do think it will hurt. I don't think they'll be like the number one seed again without Ben. But I do think as long as Joel is out there and as long as Tobias is out there, if someone like Maxi can step up like a lot of the fans expect him to, I, I think they'll be in the playoff hunt for sure. And I, I definitely think how the team looks after the trade deadline or after a Ben trade is going to be a lot more important than how they look before that. I, I think February, if it does drag on that long, which it may or may not, I think that's going to be the real inflection point is after the trade deadline, assuming they've made some move with Ben, how does the team look after that? I think that's going to be the most important indicator for their playoff success. Okay. And, and, you know, like, like how Jay, uh, like how Jay Hill mentioned in, in his question, like, do, uh, what, what is the effect of, uh, you know, of that the Sixers are going to feel without a Ben Simmons and, you know, on the, on the Sixers, on the Sixers sense, you have a couple of great articles on there and you have one on the potential lineups without Ben Simmons. And one of them is a, uh, is a uh, Tyrese Maxey, uh, Seth Curry, Danny Green, uh, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. But now my question to you is, would you rather, you know, take that risk? You know, I, I know Ty- Tyrese Maxey is a young, younger player. Uh, he can this. We don't know if he's really ready for that whole starting role. So my question to you is, would you rather run that ty- run Tyrese or would you rather bump up uh, Danny Green to the two, run Steph at the one and then run a, 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 a Matisse Thibel at the three? Because, you know, that that could be a lot more of a defensive lineup. But w- what to you, uh, what to you will be the lineup without a Ben Simmons? I think I would start the season with the first one you mentioned with Tyrese in there. I think he's really the only guy who can consistently like create off the dribble and put pressure on the rim. And they're going to really need that without Ben. I, he only averaged 15 minutes a game last season. So I agree. He has a lot to prove, but his work ethic is off the charts. And what he did show last season, especially once he got on the floor in the playoffs was pretty spectacular. And I I think there's just a lot of confidence around Philly right now that he is ready to step up. Obviously, we'll see what happens, but I think he's pretty clearly their best ball handler and creator at this point, which isn't ideal, but it it is what it is. So I would start with that. I think offensively, that group makes the most sense, but I do agree. Thibel is easily their best perimeter defender. They don't really have a good on-ball defender in that group with Tyrese, Danny, and Seth. That's a pretty vulnerable vulnerable group and while Joel can do a lot you know cleaning up misses on the back end and protecting the rim he, he can't do everything so if it gets to a point where the perimeter defense is so bad that it's costing you a lot of games then maybe you have to adjust either replace Tyrese with Matisse or you replace you know Seth Curry Danny Green one of those guys send them to the bench there's Doc is going to have to be open to adjusting if need be but I think you start the season just swapping Ben for Tyrese and seeing where that gets you. Okay. Oh, okay. And you know, uh, honestly, Chris, when, when, I, when I knew, okay, like we got the Sixers episode, one thing I had to, I had to do is I have to go on this little quick Ben Simmons rant because man, Chris, I'm telling you ever since Ben Simmons came to the Sixers, I have known if this man doesn't find a jump, if this man doesn't figure out a jump shot, he will never be able to be a championship guard in the, in a guards league to in a league, in shooters league, you have to be able to shoot as a guard, especially when you play with a player like Joel Embiid or else every pick and roll, all you got to simply do is double Joel. And that's kind of just uh, makes no point of having Ben and Joel out there together, man. But I, I had to go on this little rant because I'm pissed, you know, because Ben Simmons keeps talking about, oh, I'm sitting out all year, sitting out all year. 
But what did Philadelphia do to Ben Simmons? What did Philadelphia do? They didn't lie. They didn't say anything false. They actually supported him. He just is scared to shoot and he just can't handle the pressure, man. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure, you know, firsthand, Chris, you know, the Sixers fans do not play, man. Like they they will ride for you if they love you, but if they don't love you, they will also uh, go to fight and go to war with you every single day, man. So like, I, I just am, am baffled by Ben Simmons trying to blame Joel Embiid, trying to blame this Sixers organization, man. I and I, I'm just I'm, I'm tired of Ben Simmons and and, and his drama. That 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 is a little rant that I, I had to get out there, man. But you know, uh, 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 yeah. what's up, Jay Hill? Yeah, no, I mean, John, I, I definitely feel you on that. But but here's what I what I'd say. And as a former player, I, I've always known this to be true. You know, at a high level, I would say just university. But I would say that. As a player, and this is one thing Doc Rivers, I believe, handled that situation poorly after they lost to to Atlanta. Even if at the time he didn't even know if Ben Simmons could lead them to a title, I think if him and Joel Embiid, obviously their their franchise player, their best player, as you know, Philly and anyone would say, um, them not having his back and fully supporting him, and Doc Rivers saying, "I don't know if he can be, you know, the point guard on a championship team." Him saying that, I understand as a former player, Ben Simmons being like, "Whoa, I, that my my franchise, my coach doesn't even have my back in a situation where most teams and most most coaches." and organizationally would have their back. And even if, even if he doesn't believe it, he's got to say something to the fact that, you know, positively, or, you know, I think he's going to work on his craft and he's going to get better. Even if he's going around the correction, uh, around the question and not answering it directly saying yes or no, he's got to give some sort of indication that he believes in him to get to the point where he trusts him. And then going off that as well, I think it's not even about him shooting. It's about, bro, if Ben Simmons can even shoot above, I'd say close to below 70, but like 65 to 70 range free throwing, man, and he's averaging above 20 points per game, like 20, he could average 25 easily and be a top 10 player in the league, regardless of not if he gets a jump shot. That's just my opinion on, on, you know, the level of player he can do without even scoring the ball because he does everything else except shooting right now in my opinion so that's how i'm thinking about ben okay and, and and that and, and that and that leads me right to my next question to you christopher is how did, how did you feel about how doc rivers handled that situation with ben simmons how did you feel as as a sixers fan um i mean i i definitely think doc probably should have held his tongue or maybe been a little bit more thoughtful with how he answered the question you know he's been on first take and all these different shows saying it was misinterpreted then that's not what he meant but obviously it's hard to think things through after you just lost game seven so I think maybe cut him some slack there but I, I do think like the idea of the doc comment and the Joel comment which I do think was actually taken out of context the idea of that being Ben's main issue is much more believable or realistic to me than him like not thinking the Joel pairing works like if his true motivation in this is that you know I want to be the number one option and I don't think the Sixers can let me do that I, I think he's in for a, a tough break when he gets to his new team because I just don't think that's who he is as a player I, I do agree with the idea that the free throws are the biggest issue I, I think that's easily like priority number one for him as far as improve like if he's comfortable going to the line and he can hit 70 80 percent that would change so much for him because he would be less scared to go to the rim and to attack downhill and to get 
you know, compromised defenses that way. So I do think that would open up a lot for him, even if he can't get the three-point shot down. But I, I do think, like, the doc comment was unfortunate. But honestly, I don't doesn't seem now that that's really what's irking Ben. It seems like he really just wants a bigger role somewhere else. And I, I think that's probably the most annoying thing for me is because I could get behind like the idea that he just wants a fresh start with a fan base that doesn't hate his guts. Okay, sure. Fine. But if, if he's really just holding up because he thinks his role is going to be bigger somewhere else, A, I don't think that's really going to be true. And B, I think like Philly has done everything in their power to build to his talent around Joel and to get him more opportunities to move downhill, to put shooters around him. Joel mentioned today that they got rid of Jimmy Butler so Ben could have the ball in his hands. Like they've done so much to lift up Ben within that organization. I, I think that's just a pretty dumb reason, frankly, to to try to move teams. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you know while while we're on the lines of you know trying uh, tr- like trying to move teams and and getting Ben Simmons out of uh, out of Philly, you know uh, another another great article that you have over there on on the Sixer Sense is you know some potential uh, Ben Simmons trade from the Warriors. Christopher, I got some good news for you, man. We are in good hands today because our guy Jay Hill is a Warriors expert. He's been a Warriors fan since the since the jump, man. So I want to go over, you know, some of those uh so, so some of those trades that 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 you have over there, and I want an answer actually from from, from both of you guys. I want to answer both from Jay Hill and from you, Christopher. If you guys would be happy giving up what you gave up, Jay Hill from from your uh, from the Warriors side, of course, and then Christopher for from the Sixers side. Are you guys cool with that? Yes, yeah. sir. Okay, cool. All right. So the first trade that uh that that we had on there, the 76ers would be getting uh Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, the 2022 and 2024 first round pick, and the Warriors would be getting Ben Simmons. So let me start with you with you uh with you, Christopher. How do you um how do you feel uh, about about that trade? Are you happy with uh w- with what you're getting uh from the Sixers standpoint? Um I I mean it does like in a, in a vacuum, Ben Simmons, I think, is a much better player than that package would suggest. Obviously, Wiggins, like vaccine thing aside, is not as good as his contract would suggest. I, I don't know if he'd be like a positive value acquisition for Philly. And then, you know, Jordan Poole's great. I like him quite a bit. And two first round picks are nice. But Ben is an all-star, a three-time all-star at 25 years old with four years on his deal. And one of the best defenders on planet Earth. Um, so I, obviously the Sixers don't have all the leverage in the world anymore. Ben has kind of tanked his value both like purposely and in the playoffs incidentally, but that does seem on the lighter end of things. If you're Philly, I don't think that's a deal Daryl Morey would do, but it's at least a good starting point because you are getting young talent back in a few picks. That's probably where Philly's going to have to stoop at some point. Okay, what about you, Jay Hill? Are you happy as a Warriors fan if you getting that? Yeah, no, I guess we just got to put that disclaimer in. You know, September 30th, we're, been, we're in that, you know, that saga, um, that saga of a- Andrew Wiggins, and, and no comment on that. Um, but, but no, I think for us in terms of, you know, how Dub Nation is feeling, and, and I've just heard the rumblings, talking to friends, listening to, to writers, podcasters, and, and the, the – glowing effect fact right now is how we feel about Jordan Poole. Number one, we don't know what, you know, Clay Thompson, he's going to come back. We don't know what, what he's going to come back or what level. So there's a chance that Jordan Poole, number one, is starting the season. 
uh, as the, as the starting point guard, or sorry, as a starting uh, two. And then there's also a chance that he, we believe in him to be, you know, potentially, like Chris said, you know, he, he's a great young talent. He could potentially be most improved uh, player in my eyes, or possibly even the sixth man of the year award. If, you know, he keeps on that upward trajectory that we saw towards the end of last season, coming back from the G league bubble. And then you look at Andrew Wiggins, he's, Right now, we have to say our best perimeter defender, you know, not including Draymond, and we don't know what level of Clay is going to come back. And we saw his efficiency and three-point shooting go up to 38%, which is a career high for him. So that's a lot of talent and a lot of potential we're giving up. Uh, and then, obviously, you throw in the draft picks there. For Ben Simmons, who number one, culture-wise, we don't know how, what kind of fit uh, he would be for the Warriors. And but we've seen we've seen them, you know, bring in guys before who've had, you know, qu culture questions and, 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 you know, personal questions to answer. And they they made a home for them. Uh, Andrew Wiggins actually being one of those guys who was kind of looked on as kind of an outcast in, in Minnesota. But I feel like it's too big of a question mark. And, and you obviously throw in the fact that Ben Simmons is an unproven shooter. You already got Draymond, who's there playmaker and demands the ball at times. So I think it's too much of a question mark to, to bring in Ben Simmons and, and you don't really know what you're going to get uh, to throw him right in there. So I, I would kind of, if I'm the front office, as Joe Lacob said, and, you know, got the tampering charge, he, he said, no, we, we, we don't, we don't want him here. So that's how I'm feeling as well with that, okay. that offer. Okay. All right. So, and then let, let, let's look at this, at this section, this second potential offer that we have here. And that is the 76ers landing, uh, landing Jonathan Kaminga, landing Andrew Wiggins in the 2022 first round pick and the Warriors getting back Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibault. So Jay Hill, let's go to you this time first. Um, how do you feel about giving up Kaminga Wiggins in that 2022 pick and getting back Ben and Matisse? I think that's a more enticing offer. You know, you're throwing in a great, great defender, especially, you know, and a, and a higher level shooter with Matisse Tybel, but giving up Jonathan Kaminga and, and who is the other, who's the other? Uh, Wiggins in, in the 2022 first round pick. Yeah, I think, I think that's still a, a lot. I mean, Kaminga showed a lot of potential in the summer league. I think we, there's a chance he could be, you know, he could be seeing minutes early on in the, in the season as well. Cause there's a chance that Andrew Wiggins does is not playing half the games this season if he ends up not getting the vaccine. So he would be a huge option for them as well. So I think, well, obviously he'd be in the deal, but um, I, I, I still don't see a, a, a spot for Ben Simmons, especially with Draymond on the roster. It's just culture-wise, it's kind of the similar answer there. Uh, I think he even that deal – you're giving up too much um, for and for a return that ultimately is a big question mark. I mean, he we've seen he, he's been a hard fit culture wise with Philly, who's like Chris mentioned, they've given him so much. Uh, they put him in positions to be successful and he hasn't worked out there. So why, who am I to think it would be any different with the Warriors? Exactly, man. And, and, how, about, and how about you, Christopher? Are you a, uh... Are you uh, feeling good with letting go of Matisse Thibel and Ben Simmons, two, uh, two big defenders on your team, of course? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I, I, I would not. I, I honestly probably would value Matisse more than Wiggins, like just straight up. Um, 
especially long-term. Like Matisse has made second-team all-defense last season, averaging 20 a night. He led the Sixers in steals and blocks, playing only 20 minutes a night. Like he's a pretty insanely gifted defender. And then, obviously, Ben is not going to come back to the team. The Sixers are in a tough spot there. But, again, I just don't have the highest opinion of Andrew Wiggins as a player. And, like, from Golden State's perspective, at least to me, like, there are obviously questions about Ben Simmons. He's extremely frustrating for the Philly fans. But at the end of the the day, he's still, I, I think, a pretty incredible player. Um, like you mentioned earlier, you're losing one of your best perimeter defenders in Wiggins. Simmons is an even better perimeter defender. Like Simmons can fill that gap and then some. And then like as far as maximizing his fit, I agree that the Draymond fit is a little weird. But if you go small and you're playing him next to Steph and Clay, who are two of the best off-ball shooters to ever walk the planet, maybe the two best off-ball shooters to ever walk the planet, I, I think that's about as good as you can get as far as maximizing Ben and his skill set. Now, if he really, really wants to be the number one, that might not be his favorite landing spot. But I, I, I think he'd be happy there. I think they would compete for a championship. I think Ben certainly raises your ceiling there as the third or fourth option, as opposed to in Philly, where he's the clear number two and the only guy who can handle the ball. He put him next to Steph. I think you neutralize some of the offensive issues late in games. Like, I think that's a pretty good landing spot for Ben. I think he puts Golden State firmly in the conversation to win the West. And then, like, for Philly, I just don't think you can give up Ben and Matisse for that. I, I think Kuminga's a neat project, but Philly's trying to win right now, too. And I don't think Kuminga's going to be that great his first year or two in the league. We'll see. But he has a lot of work to do. I, I wasn't the biggest Kuminga guy going into the draft. I had him, like, eight or nine on my board whereas some people, you know, had him three or four. I think he's going to take some time. So I, I wouldn't do that move for Philly. But I obviously, I'm not a Golden State fan, but I, I think that would be a pretty good deal for the Warriors. Okay. All right. All right. So, you know, as we, I, I know, as we start to, to transition away from, from you know, the, the potential trades, uh, I, I just, I, I want to ask, you know, this is more of a hypothetical because we know Ben Simmons came out, said, um, I'll never again play another play another game in the Sixers jersey. So this is more of a hypothetical. But I do want to ask you, Christopher, did did you think at any time during this Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid saga that it, it, it could have worked? Because like like I said earlier, man, I just I, I never thought it could have worked. I always knew like, man, this is such a heavy pick. This is such a pick and roll heavy league. And with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, it's just. What are you, what are you going to do? You're going to sag off Ben Simmons every single time, double Joel and dare Ben Simmons to shoot, man. And so it just kind of makes it, unless you're going downhill, the Sixers were playing four on five every single time down court. That's how I looked at it. But to you, Christopher, did you feel like, man, I, I think Joel and Beat could do it. They just got to get the right pieces around them. I, I definitely think they could have. Um, I, I mean, you go back to the Jimmy Butler year. I, I think that team was championship caliber. They obviously lost at the buzzer to Toronto who eventually won it, but that bounce goes the other way. They're probably the favorites from that point on um, up there with Golden State. And if they keep Jimmy long-term, I think they're favorites again the next year. I think you need to pair Ben with another ball handler. I don't think he can be the only guy on your roster who can dribble, which has been Philly's main problem for a minute. Um, Jimmy obviously would solve that. You know, Steph would solve that. Damian would solve that wherever he ends up. But I do think it could have worked. I I don't want to undersell Ben as a player. I think he's 
again, he's just so good on defense and so good at creating shots for others that he's going to provide value almost wherever he goes. The shooting is an issue, and it has harmed Philly, I think, in particular because, A, Joel is their main player, and, B, they just haven't done a good job bringing the right personnel around them consistently. But I I do think it could have worked if the management was better before Daryl Morey and you know, if Jimmy had decided to stick around, if they didn't feel they had to pick between Ben and Jimmy, they, I think that could have worked. But obviously, you know, they've ended up where they are. So it, it, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah, man. It, it, it definitely uh, it, it definitely was is a tough pill to swallow when you, you look at that. Jimmy was performing, was was competing at the, the championship a couple of years ago. And then, you know, we're having this insane fallout over here in Philly. But let me let me talk to my guy Jay Hill. Jay Hill, how did how did you feel about the uh the duo of of Embiid and Ben Simmons? Did, could that have ever worked for you in your eyes? I think absolutely. I I I just like I talked about, it was a matter of Ben making free throws. I it, they had built their roster around him, you know, facilitating him being the one, getting shooters around him, bringing in Danny Green, bringing in, bringing in Seth uh, Seth Curry. Uh, Korsmaz, you know, is a shooter. And then off the bench, you know, they're bringing in shooters as well. So, and then we even saw with Joel Embiid, he's shooting, people always question, why is he shooting the three? Why is he doing that? Why is he taking perimeter shots? And that was to create even more space for Ben Simmons to be successful and to play his game and be the passer and facilitator and, and give him that lane to drive and, and be successful. So I think the, the blueprint was there uh, for them, for it to work out if he ends up never playing uh, another game in the Sixers uniform, but it was only a matter of executing the blueprint and, and the game plan that was there. So, uh, so I think, I think it, it was, it was written for it to be successful, but I think just Ben Simmons' lack of free throw shooting, his lack to, lack of being aggressive, ultimately was the downfall of that duo, and it's unfortunate because they had every tool that you want uh, in, in a in a one two punch in the league. Uh, so so moving on, kind of from 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 Ben Simmons' talk for a while. My question to you, Christopher, is: We do you know the clutch talk timeout, and that is. Uh, who I usually ask who's the go-to guy for, for, you know, in clutch moments, clutch time down, down the wire, you, you're drawing up a play, who you're going to. And, and my, my answer, quick answer would be Joel Embiid's the, the go-to option. Uh, is that, is he the guy for you as well? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I think maybe if you asked before last season, there would have been like the stray Tobias Harris answer from people. Okay. But I think last year, Joel, improved in so many areas he got better at reading defenses and reading double teams and making smart decisions he improved drastically as a mid-range and a three-point shooter he, he solved a lot of his issues last season I, I think he's pretty clearly the best shot maker on the team and um, yeah just go to him in the mid post mid-range facing up three-point line it doesn't really matter you give him the ball he's probably your best bet at making a shot late in the game so I, I would agree 100% with that Okay. Yeah, no, I think, I think that that's a good, and then my next part two of that question uh, is going into next season or going into opening night, who is, you know, obviously 
Ben Simmons, we don't know if he's going to play another game. But who, going into night one, say you're Doc Rivers, who are you starting opening night? And then kind of talk more about who you see envision as your rotation coming off the bench and, you know, and, and other moments of the game. Who, who What are you going to for that? Yeah, I, I think the starters are going to be Joel, Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey. I think that's, again, liable to change depending on how the first few games go, maybe even depending on matchups. I think Matisse is someone that Doc will consider at different spots. He mentioned George Niang as a guy who can maybe start in different matchups. So I think he's going to have some optionality there. But I think the five main bench pieces, Doc tends to go 10 deep, would be uh, Shake Milton at point guard, Furkan Korkmaz at shooting guard, Matisse Thibel on the wing with him. And then George Niang as kind of that stretch four. And I think Andre Drummond is going to get most of the non-embed minutes at center. Um, there might be some small ball with Niang and Harris that Doc tries to go to, but I think Drummond's going to get most of those minutes. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So that, you know, you, you bringing up Drummond, that, that, that brings me right to my, to my next point. And honestly, I was super confused when that, when that happened. So I just want to real quick, get your, get your sense. How are you feeling on Andre Drummond and his fit on the team? I don't really see more, much of a fit for him, but where, uh, where do you see him, him excelling? And is, is this just a one-year rental? Uh, I think it definitely feels like, Drummond maybe spending a year on a contender to try to work up his value so he can get a bigger contract next summer. Um, I, I mean, I think he's still a good player, right? Obviously, he struggled in L.A. where he was trying to start next to Anthony Davis. The spacing wasn't great. But in Philly, he's going to be playing like 15 to 20 minutes a night. He's going to be in a limited role. He has hopefully a chip on his shoulder and something to prove, being the backup to a guy that he is very publicly like, battled against in the past it it seems to be a pretty good recipe for success I I think he's you know he's much better than Dwight Howard who just was not very good last season um like I I think the fit also makes a lot more sense without Ben um so there's really no concern about the overlap of non-shooting there so I'm pretty excited about it it's definitely weird seeing him in a Philly uniform and I don't think anyone expected him to sign here but I, I think he's going to be a, a good backup center. Like, I think he can play. All right. All right. So, you know, you know, Christopher, as we start to close things out here, these last two questions that we like to ask uh, all our fans here for these team interviews is first being, let's hope for a healthy season. Let's hope we never again have a COVID ridden season, like how we did last season. But if we do, if we have all healthy roster, where do you see the Sixers finishing and how far in the playoffs? And I don't. If you want to, if you want to give me an answer, because the Sixers are such a unique team with Ben Simmons, then without Ben Simmons, like feel free as well, or like just give me a just a Ben Simmons if you think he's going to play, or just without, or what, however you're feeling, you know? Yeah, um, I I think if like Ben came back tomorrow and was playing hard, I think they'd have a chance to be the like one or two seed again. I think that's attainable. Um, I don't know if I would pick them to win the East. I wouldn't. I'd say Brooklyn and Milwaukee are pretty heavy favorites again, but I think they'd be in the conversation in that like second tier of contenders in the East. If they don't get Ben back, if this lingers all season or out to the trade deadline, I think maybe like a four, five, six seed is a more reasonable range to put them in. Um, you know, health permitting with Joel, of course. Um, I, I think if they like trade Ben for 
a comparably talented all-star, they could be like the five seed and still have a chance to win the East or compete in the East. I think that's possible, but I definitely think the regular season is going to suffer a little bit without Ben on the roster, just because he's so important defensively next to Joel. And again, they don't have a ton of great options at point guard without Ben. So I, I do think the regular season record is going to suffer a bit. Okay. All right. And and another question that we like to ask here is if you could give us one word or one phrase to describe about how you felt uh, as a Sixers fan this past year, and then one word or one phrase to describe about how you feel as a Sixers fan coming into this, uh, this upcoming year. Um, I would say last season I was up to the end, pretty content, you know, pretty happy with where things were. Um, right now I'd say I'm pretty stressed and annoyed. Um, <laughs> With all the Ben stuff, I I think just about everyone around the team, all the fans and stuff, are ready for this to be over as soon as it can get over. Obviously, you want to be patient and wait for the right move and not make a mistake because, you know, this Ben trade is inevitably going to, like, determine the future of the franchise. But I I think everyone is ready to talk about something else. So I would say stressed is the general vibe around the team right now. <laughs> okay, I like that word, stress, man. I honestly, if I was a Sixers fan, I would be extremely stressed out too, man. So I, I feel you on that, Chris. Uh, so, uh, so you know, this is a good point for us to go ahead transition to our closing segment that we like to do here on Clutch Talk. It's called Guess the Player. This is how Guess the Player works, Christopher. I have three players here listed. Um, both you and Jay Hill have two guesses for each for each player. I have a bunch of things that they did, accolades, things that they were known for. Um, numbers they wore, jerseys, uh, uh, teams that they got drafted to, and you guys each have two guesses to guess. So you got it? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let, let's do this, man. Let's do this. So You can blurt uh, it out, too, if you, yeah. Yeah, if you, you, if you know it. As soon as you know it, just blurt it out. All right. Let's, let, let's do this, man. So our first player, this guy has played for one team so far. He is a one-time NBA champion. He is a one-time Finals MVP. He is a five-time All-Star. Giannis? Yes, sir. Yes. Oh, I knew it. I was like, yes, damn, sir. that is Giannis. <laughs> yes, he sir. said one team. Good job, Chris. Good job, there you Chris. Go, Chris. I was Chris. literally about to say. <laughs> All right, here we go. Our, our next player. This guy is a one-time 50-40-90 club member. This guy is a three-time gold medalist. This guy is a one-time Rookie of the Year. Kyrie. Yes, sir. There you Jeez. go. There you go. Hey, Christopher's on fire. Christopher yeah. came ready. All right, here we go. Last okay, player. Okay. Last player. This guy was actually drafted by the 76ers. He was a five-time All-NBA first-team member. Uh, AI. No. Oh. He is a one-time All-Star game MVP. He is a 11-time All-Star. He is a one-time NBA MVP. He got he has his jersey retired by the 76ers. Okay. He works, he, he's not in the NBA anymore, and he works heavily on TV. Oh, Chuck? Charles Barkley. There you go. Yeah. Oh man. There you go, Charles Barkley. Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> 
<laughs> you got the sweet. Good job, Chris. Uh, there you go, Chris. Uh, Chris, you, Chris got them all. Good job, Chris. <laughs> there you go, man. But all right, th- 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 this is a good point for us to go ahead and uh, try to wrap things up here. Chris, w- w- we really want to thank you very much, man, for uh, coming on here and uh, sharing your Sixers knowledge with us. Uh, clearly, you-, you don't know just about the Sixers. You know about the whole entire NBA. So just thank you very much. Uh, do you have any last words you want to say before we uh, clock out here, Christopher? Um, no, just thank you guys for, for letting me come on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. Yes, sir, man. Jay Hill, you got any last words for Christopher and all the Sixers fans? Uh, I, I Sixers fans, man. I, I hope everything works out for the best and, and, and I know it's never good and it never feels good to be involved in, in the headlines for the wrong reason as a fan base and Christopher appreciate you coming on. Uh, you're a great guest and, yeah, good luck as a Sixers fan as well, because I know I know it's been tough, but but hopefully everything will work out. Like I said, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's the we'll, best. We'll need it. That's yeah. the best way to put it, Jay Hill. That so so we'll just go ahead and close it out on that, man. So thank you, everybody. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a ranking, man. Leave us a comment. We love those, man. And go check us out. So, so that's it. We out of y'all. Clutch talk out. After you take Brandy to the prom, you coming back to school with shades on your head. Literally looks like a jersey that you would leave out on the side of the street to get picked up by the garbage company like the next day. (laughs) Me and Matt say we're 6'4", but I think we're each probably an inch shorter than that. Me rounding up hurts nobody, helps everybody. Basketball tales so strange, you didn't know that you didn't know them. So listen up, y'all. It's NBA Storytime, available wherever you get your podcasts.